Welcome to Love the One You Leash podcast, the home for dog lovers around the world. And don't worry, we've got plenty for your feline friends as well. Be informed, be inspired, love the one you leash and discover what matters most to your dog's health and well-being. Proudly presented by Houndstooth. Only the best natural products for your furry friend and the perfect products for your cat as well. Welcome to our episode of Love the One You Leash. Today we have our brand ambassador and special guest, Dr. Katrina Warren. Dr. Katrina is one of Australia's most loved and trusted media veterinarians. Having appeared predominantly across TV, radio, print and online media for over 20 years, Dr. Katrina has educated millions of people on pet care. Welcome, Dr. Katrina. How are you? Well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Nice to see a nice, uh, although chilly, very spring day in Melbourne today. And how are you all going? Last time we spoke, you were right in the middle of lockdown. How are you feeling several weeks in? Uh, we're getting there. I think we've just just uh, had new, um, or the loosening of lockdown today. Dan Andrews has just been on TV with his press conference. Um, I haven't quite caught up on all of the changes, but we're slowly getting out of there. And I think one of the biggest changes, which is very exciting, is that uh, my daughter should be going back to school. I think it's the 12th of October. So originally that was going to be a few weeks later, which that'll be fantastic. So I think that's probably about a week over when they first start back. That's great. I think this has been, and we have spoken about this before, about particularly hard on kids. Um, And kids like you and I both have only children and for them to actually be spending their entire day and night on their own, I think it's it's really tricky. So that's that's good news. That's a win. It is good news. It is. It's a win. It's a win. So onwards and upwards. Yes, and it feels like we are in a strong position now again in Australia. I think we had that confidence before the whole quarantine debacle, unfortunately. But I feel like we're in, we are in a strong position if you compare to what's going on in in other parts of the world. So, hopefully, it's all been worth it for you guys. But I, gee, I feel for you yes. all. It's been look, it's been really tough. But look, hopefully, worth it. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. And as we've said before, without a doubt, the pets have been the winners here. (laughs) So people at home, more walks, more pets, more more love, love. more more appreciation and particularly for for those on their own, I think the pets have been just such incredible companions. Huge support, huge support. And that that leads us to our interesting topic today. Um, We're discussing on how to choose a puppy or a dog if you're wanting to welcome a dog or a puppy into your household. Now, we've seen during the pandemic a huge increase in dog ownership and pet ownership with many people purchasing new puppies and rescue dogs. And I thought it was a relevant uh, topic to really have a chat with you and get some of your thoughts and expertise on how you choose the right puppy and how you choose the right dog, preparing yourself for welcoming that dog or puppy into the house. Yeah, it's a a really important topic. Um, We might be a little bit behind because I feel like thousands and thousands of people have become new pet owners Um, and there has been a supply and demand issue and unfortunately people are paying unbelievable prices for puppies Um, and when you start getting prices like $8,000 being quoted for a puppy, that's leading to 
people breeding puppies when they don't have the best interest of the puppies at heart. And I'm really concerned, Rachel, about some of the very dodgy breeding that's going on, the horrible prices that people are paying. And also there's a lot of, um, I think most people have seen now, a lot of scams online as well where people have been yes. paying money for puppies that just don't even exist. So yes. I, I, I really do understand that these circumstances have met a lot of people are home more than ever before. And a lot of those people, I've got a number of friends that have gone and got puppies and I think their life has forever changed to a lifestyle where they will be at home a lot more. Some yes. people's entire careers are now going to be around their home office, but others, obviously, this is not going to be the way they live. If they start going back to work, what actually happens to that puppy? So there's a couple of different scenarios there, but I guess we should talk about firstly um, the prices that people are paying and I feel... I, I understand if you desperately want that puppy. However, I do really strongly feel that we shouldn't be supporting industries that are supporting puppy factories. And if people can just step back and wait and do things properly, then hopefully the prices of those puppies will come down. But also we're not supporting horrible puppy factories where their puppies are just turned out constantly. Yes, yes, absolutely agree. I mean, we've seen some prices of puppies going from potentially the usual price of, uh, you know, anything from, say, $1,500 to 3000 and now we're seeing prices up to eight, nine, ten thousand dollars $10,000. It's just a huge jump. Yes, and what I believe is happening, and particularly in Victoria, which is just horrible, is people are flipping puppies in that they're buying them. If they can see them for $3,000 or $2,000, they're buying puppies. Then they're on selling those same puppies for seven dollars or $8,000. And this is terrible. I mean, it's, it's absolutely horrible because the welfare of the puppies and the breeding dogs is obviously not being considered. It's all about making money. And what to do about this, it's... A, not pay that much money right now and be prepared to wait for the puppy that you want. Um, but I know a lot of people are impatient. So I guess what I'm saying is please look at adoption as the first option. Um, speak to, if, for example, you would like a Cavalier puppy, speak to the Cavalier clubs first and see if there's a rescue. Uh, most of the clubs have a rescue, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A rescue program. Program, um, program, program, yes, program yeah, within, yes. within the breeds. Um, look at that as an option. Look at the shelters like the RSPCAs and the Animal Welfare League and your shelters. Hop onto Pet Rescue, which is a, a website that can actually tell you, you put in what you're looking for and they can tell you what animals are up for adoption. So yes. it is possible sometimes to find the, the dog of your dreams, the breed of your dreams and a beautiful animal through rescue. I'm also very aware that a lot of the shelters and rescue groups also can't keep up with the demand um, for animals. And I know the RSPCA alone has had massive spike in people wanting to adopt. That's wonderful. And I'm all for adoption. My beautiful Riley's adopted, as you know. But just be careful, again, not to fall into that trap of going along to a shelter and there only being a handful to choose from and just choosing a dog because there's a dog there or it's the yes. cutest dog. yes. It's so important to continue and to just always match the right pet to your lifestyle. And that works with that, particularly when you're adopting. So yes. be 
be really reasonable and responsible and honest with yourself about, oh, actually, that's an active, that looks like, a, that's a border collie kelpie cross. Is that going to work with my lifestyle? Oh, that's yeah. a really big, you know, Amstamp cross. That's where they've said that maybe that one doesn't want to be in a house with other animals. Does that suit your lifestyle? So just just have a, you really need to think about that with adoption. But to me, that that's an avenue where you're helping save a life you're giving an animal a forever home so it helps you to do something good and you aren't going to be paying these ridiculous prices so but yeah, yes i agree you do i mean you, you need to make the right decision if you can when you're getting a rescue dog because if it doesn't work out that rescue dog is going I, to be rehomed again yes and i really do worry about a lot of the so a lot of the rescue dogs people have rescued dogs and they've been with people around the clock. And then what happens to those dogs when they go back to work if that dog is not comfortable being on its own? So yes. you really do need to. Fostering is wonderful. And there, look, there will be, people often forget about cats as well. A lot of people have gone and, you know, oh, we want a pup because we want a companion. But cats can actually be a lot, um, a, an amazing companion. But they're yes. Usually, unless you're talking about my own cat, who's a diva, oh, but they're usually a little bit less maintenance yes. than a dog. Yes. I mean, Leo that, comes with, you know, his glowing, gorgeous coat. Yes. Um, thank you, thanks to Houndstooth grooming products there, I should say. But he does come with a lot of grooming and he um, he's a big in-your-face cat. But there's a lot of really sweet little cats that just make wonderful Really beautiful companions, companions. yes. Great for kids. Um, again, sometimes you've got to look at your circumstances if you're rescuing or adopting. Um, but often the older cats that have been indoor cats can make amazing companions yes. for, for kids and families. So we're coming into kitten season because kittens, cats breed seasonally. It's, People, yes. So yeah. springtime, this kitten springtime. season. So there will be shelters and places in a couple of months, probably looking for some foster homes for cats and kittens, um, kittens looking for homes. Just, so think about that as an option. And again, you know, you are helping an animal in need. Yes. Um, instead of just rushing out and, yes. and paying well, a lot of money. It's interestingly, RSPCA have recorded 26,000 online applications for dogs since the start of the pandemic, which is which yes. is a huge numbers. You're seeing local councils have an increase of up to 1,000 dogs being registered during yes, the pandemic. Council. Yes, per, per council. council. That's a and lot of animals. That's a lot of animals, so, a lot so, of animals. So going back to how do we find a puppy, how to what to actually do so it's difficult rachel because as you know there's been a huge surge in the popularity of um oodles poodle crosses or crossbreds so just for your listeners and for people to understand that's not a purebred then they're not breeds as such they're crossbreeds if we're going yes. to be technical so yes. a, a cavoodle is not technically a breed okay so but it is a cute little crossbred dog and i will refer to them moving forward poodle cross okay there's been a huge surge in the popularity of these and that is because they're, they're generally, not always, but generally a low shedding breed, which a lot yes. is very attractive and generally, depending on the poodle size that you've crossed, because people don't always realise you can get big yeah, you poodles You can get the different well. size, yes. 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 I don't know if you've ever seen the big, yes, <laughs> the, the big oodle crosses. Um, and poodles are generally bouncy and the big, bo the big oodle crosses can be, you know, quite energetic. Yes. Um, but there's been a massive surge in those puppies and my advice to people looking for one of these, it's, it's, this is as, as good as I can give you. 
this puppy is going to be a part of your life, hopefully for 16 years, longer if you're lucky, but maybe 14 to 16 on average. That's a member of your family. And if you're going to welcome a member of your family and love that dog, then please be responsible enough to go and visit the location that where that puppy has been born and ask the right questions from the breeder and be confident in your heart that you are not supporting a puppy factory. Um, yes. It is very difficult because a lot of these people that are cranking out puppies have, you know, runs and kennels down the back or somewhere else and they, they show you around in the house. But you need to make those decisions. And for me personally, if I'm going to have a puppy in my life, I want to meet the parents of that puppy, but not always. You can't always meet the male, the father, but you should be welcome to meet the mother. Now, if your breeder for some reason says you cannot meet the mother of your puppies, walk away. If you are not welcome to go and see the standards of hygiene and where your puppy is ring raised, walk away. For me personally, I want my puppies to be raised in a house environment, not a run environment. So for me... If I go to a breeder and those puppies are out in a run where they live, you know, around the clock, yes, yes. not being raised in the house where they're being socialised to the house environment, I would also walk away. And another thing for me is what, what I found a lot, and we've, we've talked about this previously, is if you phone a breeder and they just happen to have a litter of puppies today and then there's one being born next week, and there's one, if there's an abundance of available puppies then you are probably supporting a puppy factory. Puppy yes, yes. Because, but I was yeah, going to if, ask you that. How? Well, a couple of questions. Firstly, you mentioned if you find a breeder, ask the right questions. What are yep. the right questions for our, yep. for our listeners to identify with? And secondly, how would they potentially identify a puppy breeder? Yeah. Or puppy farm, well, sorry. And, again, some of these puppy farms are very clever, but but – yeah, you've got to make your own your own decisions on this. And this look, this also goes for purebreds as well. Um, just because someone so so there's being a registered breeder with the purebred. So yes, without confusing people, if you want a purebred puppy, it's a little bit easier to find a registered breeder as through the governing dog body in your state. So for example, it's Dogs New South Wales in, in dogs Sydney, Victoria. Dogs Victoria in Victoria, and each yes. state has their own governing body. So the purebred breeders that are registered with them really have just gone through a process with them to be registered. It doesn't mean still just because they're registered that they are an amazing breeder, but that's a good place to start. That's a first step. Correct. And usually within those governing bodies, you can get um, the right person to speak to who often has a puppy list. So they know who's going to be breeding what dogs. And when the litters are coming up. Within the club. And usually, again, there will be a wait list. What we find a lot with the oodles and the crossbreds is there's suddenly no wait list, Rachel, which means that it's not... And considering if, if if you consider the amount of people that are after puppies, to be able to actually phone someone and they're like, oh, he just got happened to got a, have a litter, you need to be concerned about that. Yes, okay. yes. So, so you want to ask the breeder if you can meet the parents, ideally one. You want to speak to your vet. So this is or particularly for purebreds, but I would also, before you go down the path, so say tomorrow you wanted a golden retriever, 
give your vet a quick call and say, what are the tests my breeder should offer to me for whatever the breed? Is there anything yes. that that breeder should be doing for genetic testing before I even look at this breed of dog? Which and is specific might, to the breed. Specific to yes. the breed. Yes. So they might say they should have hip scores, they should have an eye test, they should. So you want to find out anything specific for the breed with the others you want to ask that breeder firstly are you allowed to come into the house secondly how many litters do they breed obviously they can lie you want to be comfortable with the the cleanliness okay yes you want to also ask if there's any kind of guarantee on that puppy if you were to get it home and it does have some kind of inherited genetic problem a medical problem most breeders will at some for a period of time they will actually take back your puppy yes okay or give you a refund on the puppy is there a a, you know a rehoming option if something happens so the good breeders that i know and i know many amazing breeders samoids vorticos whatever they will always for the lifetime of that dog because they care about their dogs and their breed if there is a family crisis if something happens they will help you. They're not a dumping ground for you to, to say, I don't want that anymore. But most breeders will offer to help you yes. in some way. So th- there are a couple of the questions that I think that um, you need to ask. What age are they going to give you the puppies? They should not be giving you puppies when they're, you know, when they're under eight weeks of age. Puppies should be microchipped. Um, that- you do not go on. Sorry, you just raised another interesting um, question about desexing the puppy because some breeders are desexing early before you get their puppies and some, of course, recommend that we don't desex until six months plus. It's an interesting topic and That's I think another li- whole people podcast, need to right? be, yes, it is, but I think there needs to be awareness about it because a breeder may say that, yes, uh, you know, I'm happy to sell you a puppy but they will come desexed. Yeah, but that that's, I guess, the individual breeder. breeder. Yes. But that's something I think pup- someone would yeah. need to speak to, again, go back to your vet or the yeah. vet that you've spoken to and get some information about that and make the decision yourself whether you feel that you're comfortable with that or not. Would that be the best advice? Yes, I would always, yeah, always go yeah. back to your vet. And same with about the different ages of dissexing because that's another whole conversation yes. with different ages now of different breeds of dogs. So um, there's slightly different desexing recommendations, but it comes down a lot to a personal decision um, and speaking to your vet in consultation yes. with that. Yes, um, yeah, good advice. And just talking about the litters, so generally for, for someone who hasn't had a puppy before and speaking to a breeder, what's your advice on how many litters that bitch should have in a year? Well, the individual bitch should not be having more than one in a year. Right, that's good, yes. But that's the, breeder, good. the breeder should also not be breeding more than a couple of litters a year, I personally think. I just think if yes. you are a... A breeder that is caring about the welfare of the dogs as opposed to trying to be a money-making machine, you should be raising a couple of litters in the year um, in the house as family pets because most of the people, I'm assuming, that are listening to this are wanting a family pet. Yes, yes, absolutely. Sure. So so it is a... a, uh, It's a huge can of worms. Unfortunately, it's... Unfortunately, it is just blowing up this year with COVID. It's a supply-demand thing with the puppies, and I do understand how desperate people have been for puppies, but I beg that people take their time, take a step back, 
really think about it and wait till this this now dies down a little bit. I, I think, Rachel, too, unfortunately, we are going to see a lot of animals that are perfectly uh, fine, will make beautiful family pets, but I think there's going to be quite a lot of animals surrendered in about, I'd say, starting around Christmas. Yes. Right through um, the first half of next year. Yes, when everyone's returned back to work, returned back to school. Well, it's adolescent. Christmas it's holidays ad- and, the, uh, yeah, and the puppies are a handful. Yeah, it's the adolescent yes. puppy that no one wants. So that's traditionally the time that, that puppies get surrendered from 6 to 18 months. That's the traditional time that people go, oh, actually, hang on, it's pulling the washing off the line and it's digging and it's chewing and it's doing all these things because they haven't managed it. It's nothing to do with the animal. And a lot of the time it can be managed and it will grow out of it as well if it's managed properly. But people suddenly, oh, it's all too hard. Jumping up on kids, that's another one. Um, So, you know, and again, that's why some of these little dogs have become popular as well because people, (laughs) in my experience, people put up with a lot more bad behaviour from the little dogs than they do if it's a big dog. A big dog, so, yes. So Riley jumping up on a little kid could be a nightmare because he's a big dog. But if you have a, uh, you know, a cavoodle, a little cavoodle jumping up, it's less likely to do damage, but it can be just as annoying. Yes, but people, it can be. People, people tend to, to put up with the small dog behaviours a lot more. Yes. Yeah, I think, oh, there's perception, aren't they cute? Oh. Yes, and they look. They and, are they're, and, they're, and they're light and they're jumpy and they're fluffy and yes correct they don't do as much damage and you can pick them up if they're you know people can pick them up and carry them around um which is not a problem put them under their arm (laughs) yes yes i may have a couple of friends with chihuahuas who are guilty of that yes (laughs) yes they become the handbag yeah they do because they're like and then they pick them up and um, and reward the behavior yeah yeah, yeah accidentally yeah. rewarding but again it's people will put up with a lot more from a little dog because it's just a bit less damaging yes, damaging or annoying or frustrating so if if someone was a first time dog owner and they're looking for a puppy and or rescue dog yep what are some of the key things that you sh- they should ask themselves about the dog they're searching for before they commit in yeah. terms of temperament, size, coat, etc. Yeah, well, you, I guess you covered it. I guess that the main thing is to match the right dog to your lifestyle. So figure out what, how much time per day you really do have to exercise the dog. Can it come with you a lot of the time? So as you know, I've had Chill the Border Collie staying with me most of the time since, since lockdown. The beauty with him is he comes with me in the car all the time. So if there's days where maybe I can't do too much time out, you know, in the park, yes. the park he's with me doing stuff, in and out, doing stuff. And he's also crate trained. So I come home and make sure he has some time every day in his crate so he's very comfortable with that alone time as well. Um, So you can do it. You can manage some of these active breeds, but you have to be able to fit them into your lifestyle. So exercise requirements is one. Grooming is another. Yes. And as you would know, Rachel, having a grooming product company, all dogs are not equal on the grooming requirements. No. (laughs) They're not equal on the shedding. I've no. got a very lucky to have a short-haired breed that is easily manageable. Yes, they shed, uh, but, oh, gee, it's a lot easier than having a long head or, a, you know, double yes. coat or something that's constantly de-shedding. Even grooming them as, as in washing them is a lot 
Um, there's another commitment. People need to be aware yes. that there's dogs that need grooming. That's an ongoing expense if you're going to yep. use a groomer every six to eight weeks. Yes. So uh, that's something with the oodles that people don't realise. So, yes, yes, you get this hopefully low shedding dog, but you actually still need to get them clipped or keep them clipped. Yes. So yes. there's a different expense and a different requirement. And also with that, you need to be raising your puppy to actually like being groomed and clipped. Yes, exactly. Or else enjoy. you can have enough. But, but you're lucky with the staffy because they call them wash and wear. You wash and wash yeah. and wear. Is that the way off you go? Wash, wear, <laughs> yeah, off you, you go. Do. <laughs> Don't you worry about it. Bit of a towel dry yeah. and they're, yeah. they're, you know, a few minutes later yeah. and they're dry. <laughs> me, on the other hand, brush, yes. brush, brush, comb, brush, brush, brush. And then you just hear me going, oh, my gosh, there's tumbleweeds everywhere. And at this yes. time of year... Um, They'd be inter- shedding unbelievable at the moment. Well, it's they? interesting because the border collie—it's just giving me flashbacks to Toby because it really is like tumbleweed. It, it forms. Riley's undercoat comes out. It goes into kind of long, kind oh, of yes. threads, whereas the border collie just goes into these big wafts of fluff that fly all around the house. But um, so there is a big commitment in the grooming, and we know that one of the biggest deterrents for people getting um dogs has always been grooming hair people some people just can't bear hair anywhere and yes you know I feel sorry for Charlotte every morning because she has a navy blue uniform that's a hair attractor yes and, um, and it sh- would show up <laughs> wool yes. I guess it's wool and it yes, show up yes, like down the back like yeah. yes yeah yes so and I think one of the, the biggest things again is temperament what kind yes. of temperament of a dog and that comes in with activity level and energy levels is going to suit your environment and it's yes. very hard for people to understand that unless they've had experience with different temperaments before yes and dogs do have uh, different- a lot of people approach me in the street because Stella is beautiful and she's a beautiful girl and oh, I love Staffies, I'd love a Staffie and I always say, yes, they are beautiful but they need training. They can be destructive and, <laughs> and you need to keep them mentally active but you also need to, they need to learn how to be quiet and on their own and downtime or else they're, you know, I see images, I follow Staffie pages of Staffies that eat through walls through borders. Yes. Well, and you they're know, big, big chewers. Big chew- they're they big are. chewers with very strong jaws. So you have to give them the tough, you know, yes. the tough things to chew on. Um, they are. And so that would be a trait with staffies that's quite a common trait is they are chewers and they do need to have that, that stimulation. But they all, you know, you've got to research your individual dogs, but they're in breeds. But then within the breeds, obviously, dogs are like chalk and cheese like people you could have you know i've got friends yes. that have two kids and they've got completely different personalities it's exactly the same with the dogs but there are some sort of traits that come through so some of the dogs that yes maybe a little more aloof um, yes yes generally absolutely. you know the breed is generally more aloof something like the border collie you know loves their one-on-one training and most of the dogs are like that but you can still get massive variations and you can see it with the wonder dogs they've all got completely Completely different personalities completely different um and all all, the whole lot of them are show-offs you know all love the attention (laughs) but but a couple of them a couple of them are like look at me look at me and then a couple are a little bit more reserved um so within the breed there is you know a variety as well but you need to do your research on what the sort of general vibe is for that yes. breed. Don't just go on the looks. 
Yes, and also be aware of the difference in temperament. Some dogs like Staffies place really high value on other people and other dogs when they're out walking. So unless you train them, that dog is going to drag you to every person and every dog to say hello. Yeah. Whereas some dogs that walk past, you know, I watched them walk on the street, like you said, they're aloof and they couldn't couldn't care less if there was other dogs or or other people around them. Some of that as well is how they're taught when they're young. So, for example, with uh, yes. the Border Collie, with the, with the Wonder Dogs who, are, you know, love all other dogs, they're all really well socialised. But they're taught, Kelly, and, you know, I've learned a lot from Kelly, her dogs are very much taught that it's more exciting to hang out with the human than to have that opportunity to run with other dogs all the time. And so when dogs are really little, a lot of people think, I've got to socialise and got to let them run, got to yes. let them play with other dogs. Yes. But that's just teaching them that that's what, that's what they need to that, do. That's, that's how that, they go to play. That's their value is the, mm. other, the other play rather than playing with yeah. their, their owner and respecting the owner. Yeah, so by all means they can go and play when you tell them to go and play. But as a young dog, you want that young dog to think actually hanging out here is way more exciting. So lots of treats, lots of games, not allowing them that free access to all the other distractions. Yes. Actually teaching them to focus on you when you ask them to look at you and to, will make for a much easier experience down the track. Yes, yes. You know, you can let them go and play when they're old enough and ready enough and you know that they can, they've got a recall and what have you, but as a, as a young dog, just, you know, allowing them to get that kind of hit of that we go crazy we go crazy but not train them the other way as well you know all kelly's dogs all the wonder dogs it's really interesting they're all trained the one of the biggest things she teaches them is to the switch off button so when they've got free time so chill for example when he's got free time if i say go play in the park that's his free time he can run but he's been taught very much in that house it's chill out time and he knows it's chill out time and the crate training is really helpful for that. So he could probably go, he could go without having a run for a few days without driving him out because he knows in the house it's quiet yes, time. Yes, it's quiet time. Yeah, but a lot of yes. people don't teach. It's really important to teach that switch off yes. button. Yes, I would agree with that. And uh, mm-hmm. having, you know, a second staffy and having the first staffy where I, there was a lot of people coming in and out of the house um, at different times for socially and you know, people trying to play with her, him constantly and revving him up. And it took him years yeah. to settle down. Compare that to Stella who's got the off switch and that's a great recommendation because she yeah. doesn't look to be naughty or playful in the house because that's not what you that's not what you do. No, and often people want to do, um, often certain people in the house want to rough them up. They do, yes. <laughs> often, and it's, it's a natural, it seems to be a natural behaviour for some people to feel like they have to rough up the dog (laughs) but 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 that's okay short term and then you have to teach them to chill out and that that early stage that sort of those first few months when you bring them home just teaching them quiet time and that's where crates are good because you you know they can't get up and get out they quite lie down chill out it's setting up really good uh, behaviors for life so so i guess when for people um looking for puppies that are listening to this that are on that puppy run you need to think about how you're going to train it and you also need to think about obviously uh, and I guess this is another reason why the oodles there's popularity is a lot of people in apartments are getting pets as well so there's a big shift to apartments allowing pets I know a lot of the new buildings in Sydney 
um, are pet friendly. I think you had changes. Victoria, we had changes to the law, which was fantastic. So rental properties, you can take your pets with approval from the uh, landlord, which is wonderful. Yeah, so that's changed a lot. So it's changed. but, but then you need to think about if you're in an apartment, what's the quickest way to make everybody hate you? Well, that's to have a barking dog because it's no fun living next to a barking dog. And if you've got a newborn baby and you've got someone, you know, a dog barking next to you. So you need to really think about, okay, I'm in an apartment, what do I do? I need to choose a breed that's not. So, again, these are all general, you know, when you read the breed profiles. If they're generally a barking kind of breed, then I would not be looking at that. For an apartment. It, for an apartment, yes. And, and for Particularly example, if they're working oh, and gosh, out of yes. the apartment during the day. Yeah, and look, chihuahuas, for example, perfect size for an apartment, but they often like the sound they of They are very vocal, very yes. vocal. <laughs> yeah. and, and also, I mean, that also people have to consider if they've got children, what, what type mm-hmm. of dog they bring into the house, as well yeah. as if they already have pets, is this, is this pet going to... Um, fit in with the pets that I already have and how are the pets in the house that I have going to cope with a new puppy or a new dog. So there's a lot of thought um, around that, that decision. That's a management thing. So you can bring in a puppy into a family with an old dog, depending on an older dog, depending on the personality of the older dog. And it can certainly give them a spring in their step depending on the personality of the older dog. So some older dogs like Riley, Riley would rather puppies go away. He doesn't. He's at an age now where like he just yes. wants to. He doesn't, just wants to sleep wants to on sleep. his bed. <laughs> he, just, he just wants to sleep on his bed, pot around the park, eat, find some poo somewhere to eat, and then he's happy. So um, he, so a puppy, he'll tolerate it because he's the most beautiful, tolerant dog. But he doesn't want the puppy in his face. So if you've got a puppy in that scenario, and maybe the dog's not as tolerant as Riley, that dog may put it back in its place and say, you know, you go away from me, um, but some dogs will take it one step further and it might not be pretty and you can really damage a puppy yes. um, that way and you can really upset an older dog. So that's a management thing and that, again, is where something like crate training can really help because you're giving the older dog some space and time for the puppy while the puppy grows and matures and learns that the rules around the, the house. The, yes, yes, good recommendation. Mm. So so. You've decided to get a puppy or you've decided to rescue a dog. What um, things do people need to prepare themselves in terms of what they need to get before that puppy or dog comes home? I guess... I mean, I guess you sort of obviously need a checklist. Like it's like a newborn baby. You need to puppy-proof your house. So you need to realise that they're going to pick up everything they explore using their mouths. And so everything is fair game to be chewed, destroyed, picked up. So you want to puppy-proof. You want to make sure that you put away anything that's dangerous, any yes. chemicals, anything like that. And and you need to be careful with cupboard doors. So I, I recommend putting everything up high. And that includes things like razors that are left on the bar bathtub and things like that, anything that a puppy can potentially reach. And they're amazing at finding stuff. Um, Watching out for things, toxic plants. uh, The best thing to do with that is just have a a read of what are the most toxic plants. Make sure you don't have any in your garden. Yes. Um, Or indoors. Or indoors. Same for a cat because, you know, um, I don't know someone whose beautiful border collie puppy died from chewing on daffodil bulbs. She was devastated, devastated. So so that's the thing, preparing the house. Then obviously and best, really best to chat to your vet about what your 
uh, requirements and needs and what you want regarding diet because people have, there's a lot of different thoughts on that and people have different um different expectations on what they want to feed their puppy these days. But I would always speak to your vet first up. And then obviously you need to just get yourself together with your bedding scenario. Where is the puppy going to sleep? Your grooming, um, puppy shampoo is important because puppies need to learn from an early age that bath time is pleasant. So you don't need to wait till they're filthy to dunk them in the bath. You need to just start off getting them used to a little bit of warm water and then you can gradually, um, you know, increase to a little bit of shampoo and a little bit of a bath. But I recommend starting that from an early age as well. Yes, Um, yes, good recommendation. Their ears, their their nails, just just played with their their around their mouth. Yeah. You know, just just need to get used to getting the, touched. The touching and handling way. is really important. So touching them all over. So that's almost part of the socialising and what you need to do with them. So sit with them at night, touch their little feet, touch around their mouth, give them treats, touching their ears, give them treats. Um, just get them used to being handled and very confident that being handled is. Positive. Touch around their tail. Give them yes. treats. Don't go. You know. Don't just wait until. Oh, I need to clean their ears. You start doing it when they're from the day you bring them home. Getting them used to being touched. Um, Socialising is important. Not that you guys can really do much. <laughs> What's that? I don't socialising your puppy <laughs> from a distance in your five k radius, but getting them out. But so you can they still the, get them out. Yeah, no, you, yeah, you, you can, can, you can, you can. And you need to see so as many sights and sounds as possible. So sitting by the side of the road, watching, you know, watching buses go by and rewarding them, watching bicycles go by and rewarding yes. them for treats for calm behaviour. Trams, um, trams is a good one in Melbourne. Yes, trams is a really trams. good one. I've known a lot of dogs that have issues with trams. Yes. So from a very early age, even if you have them in a carry crate, go sit somewhere so they can listen to, to listen to the trams while you give them treats from a really early age. Don't don't push them into anything that's too full on, you know, stand at a distance, but just so they start, you know, getting used to all the different noises of the world. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's really good advice. Well, I think we've covered nearly if everything that I can think of. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Um, with puppies, I guess it's coming. I mean, it's it's coming into the warmer months, so there's a few things with puppies that people like to do and want to do, and that would be, I guess, swimming and outdoor activities. Oh, yes. So we are coming into, it is actually already full-blown tick season. Um, a lot of people yes. think that's a summer issue. It actually starts sort of the end of July. So anywhere sort of up the east coast, right up into Queensland, uh, the coastal areas, they are found in some parts of Victoria now, paralysis yes. ticks. Yes. Just be aware that this is a massive issue and that paralysis ticks are deadly. Um, so if you are, don't live in a coastal area and one day, Rachel, when you can travel, if you're um, if you're going road tripping up north, it's really important to make sure that you um, use a preventative yes. and check, still check the dog every day. So, so that's important with puppies. I think people underestimate how lucky we are now that there are options for paralysis ticks because for years there was no prevention. No, there was nothing, yes. And speak to your vet about what's the best one for you because there's chewable spot-ons, collars, there's a whole lot of yeah, things. There's a lot of different things available yeah. on the market, isn't there? Which we yes. waited so long for that. Yes. We have waited so long 
for something that can at least stop some animals dying from paralysis ticks. So, so that's a big one. Spring, summer, also it's flea season. So itchy skin, lot itchy of, skin. Lot of, yes, which yeah. which you you may not necessarily see in the puppies for their if they're very young. But as they get a little bit older, you'll start to yeah. see if they're going to have the um, allergens from spring and changing seasons react with their skin. Yep. So itchy skin, wiping down their paws, paws yes. um, when they come in from playing in the grass, things like that. So that's the summer thing. Also with swimming as well, just remember that puppies don't necessarily know how to swim from no. instinct. So some and dogs have to be learned. Some dogs really have to learn. Some dogs can yes. do it, not a problem, but some dogs have to learn and some dogs sink <laughs> depending yes. on their yes. shape. So, Absolutely. And it can so, take them a long time to get. And some dogs actually don't like the water. Well, my golden retriever, which let me just remind you that a golden retriever is supposed Should. to be a water retrieval dog. <laughs> let me just remind him of that. He puts his foot in the water and he's like, oh, I don't like that. And he just no. runs out. He doesn't love it. He just, doesn't, doesn't like it at all. It's like, oh, it's a bit cold. He's like an old man. So he's there's yes. no retrieving going on there. There's no, um, yeah, no. He's, no. he's not going in the water looking for ducks. No, I mean he's very good at retrieving. If there's someone leaves a sandwich in the park on a bench or something, he can find that, not a problem. But he, you know, as for retrieving a floating toy or anything, no, 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 not doing that. No, but but they do need to, you know. So my thing with that is he was probably never showing. He probably poor old Riley. I don't think he ever saw water as a puppy or toy for that matter. No, possibly not, because yeah, because generally they're they're pretty good swimmers. Yeah, no, no, no. So if, if is there anywhere you'd recommend people to go, say if they're wanting to um, look at a list or a checklist of before they get a puppy or um, dog that may we can direct them to, that they can easily jump onto a site and say, okay, well, there's a general checklist. Yes, that is actually a good question. I'm glad you asked because I meant to mention this before. The RSPCA has a, it's called the Smart Puppy and Dog Buyer's Guide, I think. Oh, yes. That is fantastic because it actually gives you a list of the questions you should ask yourself and be able to ask breeders and just make you really think about, am I doing the right thing here by this puppy? Have the questions that I need to be answered being, being answered yes. um, before you go on. So that's actually a good one. So it's the RSPCA Smart Puppy Smart guide, puppy, puppy and dog, and dog buyers, buyers guide. Yes. yes. And I think that. that's got to click through mm. through to a checklist as well. Once you've made the decision, I, th- yep. I believe there's a link that can click you further through to, you know, your checklist, your, your bowls, your, your flea treatments, your shampoos, right. your blah, blah, blah. Yes, yep. so, that, that's, so you, uh, that's a so great list. You don't need my check, checklist from my head. It's all there written down where people can actually check it off. <laughs> But um, but it is good. But with the RSPCA, with that guide, just read it and just say, okay, am I really deep down satisfied that I'm getting this puppy from an ethical, responsible person? Yes, yes, that's That's very good advice. Very good advice. All right, thank you, thank you, Dr. Katrina, for your time today. It's been a pleasure chatting about puppies and and, and dogs as always puppies are great great content to chat about rachel we'll have a wonderful day yes you too and uh, we'll catch up soon okay bye bye thank you for listening to love the one you leash proudly presented by houndstooth if you enjoyed this episode be sure to subscribe 
Find out more about who we are and what we do at houndstooth.com.au.